Welcome to the Get More Math podcast, where we support teachers in their quest for long-term student gains. This is a podcast for teachers to share their passion for math education, learn best practices from experts in the field, and swap ideas for student success. This is community. This is Get More Math. Welcome back to the Get More Math podcast. I'm Derek Maxson, the president of Get More Math, and I'm joined as always by Josh Britton. He's the founder of Get More Math. Josh, tell us a little bit about this episode of the podcast. Well, thanks, Derek. Today, we're going to talk to Tara Krebs. She's a high school math teacher in Pennsylvania, and she's going to be telling us about sort of the phases she's been going through from uh, the first couple of weeks where the students simply had no responsibilities to a period of time where uh, there was only to be review and no new content. And then finally, most recently, she's been trying to include some new instruction, even as she continues to review old content. She has lots of good ideas, and also she's very transparent and shares with us what it's, what it's like to be going through this period as a, a teacher who cares about her kids and is trying to do right by them. Let's get right to the interview and listen to what Tara and Josh have to say to us today. Well, good morning, Tara. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Josh. It's nice to be here. So we've been exploring what it's like to be a teacher, what it's like for students during this time of extended remote learning. I really appreciate you joining us today. Maybe you can start by just telling us a little bit about your responsibilities. I am currently a high school teacher at Montoursville High School. We have approximately 650 students-ish in our small rural area of Pennsylvania. Uh, I currently teach ninth and 10th graders um, Algebra 1A, which is sort of like a first half of an Algebra 1 curriculum in one year. Um, and then I also teach a full year course of Algebra to mostly ninth graders. And then um, I also have a senior level course called Consumer Review, which is um, basically financial literacy um, for seniors. Great. How long have you been doing that? I have been teaching since 2009. So I believe that's about, I think this is my 11th year. Excellent. So let's let's start by uh, rolling back the clock and talking a little bit about what your typical school day might look like pre-virus, if you will. My teaching style is a little different based on the courses that I was teaching. My consumer review class for seniors Um, the ability level in that course was very varied. I had some students who had only previously had um, Algebra 1 and Geometry experience mathematically, and then other students that had gone through Trig and Pre-Calc. And so to balance the curriculum in that particular class, um, that was quite difficult to make it challenging enough, but also doable enough. And so I typically um, on those in those classes um, would teach throughout the week. But then on Fridays, I would use Fridays as my free day. And that meant lots of things for students who were completely caught up and knew what they were doing. We watched math movies and did basic math skills reviews and they worked completely on their own. And Get More Math was an excellent uh, opportunity for them to do that and be able to practice at varied levels. And for my other students, it was an opportunity for us to um, get some tutoring and caught up on makeup work. So that worked out very well. 
in my algebra classes, um, again, I, I structured those differently. My Algebra 1A class was typically built for students who struggle a little bit with all levels of academics, but primarily math. And so that was the class that I used the Get More Math program with the most often. We used Get More Math almost daily in that course. Um, and it was, um, I would teach for a little while and then we would practice Get More Math. And I really almost stopped giving homework even in that class because I was primarily relying on the in-class practice. Great. Well, let's let's yeah. talk about then what it's like to transition into some uh, remote instructional environments. Obviously, changes a lot of stuff. Uh, what are? Let's start with your expectations. What what is your district expecting teachers and students to accomplish right now? Yeah, it, it's a crazy mix. Um, we live, as I mentioned, in a rural community. And we are not a district that had the capability prior to this situation um, to offer our students one-to-one technology access. We have quite a few students that don't even have consistent internet access. And so our district has decided that our level of teaching is going to be entitled enrichment, which means... Uh, I believe today we actually finalized our third marking period grades, and that is going to be it grade-wise for the year. And anything that we offer for the remainder of the year is considered enrichment. And so uh, that varies by teacher, basically, what we're offering. For myself, I have moved on to some new material just because I, I feel like in a math curriculum in particular... Who knows where we'll be able to start the year next year, but most certainly I I want to prevent losses in material that they've learned, but I also want to somehow maybe get them ready for what might be expected um, in the next course that they take, whatever that looks like in the future. So right now, no grades, but we are sort of offering class every day and um, working mostly with the kids that are responding to that. So what does it mean to offer a class? (laughs) So for me, I am doing uh, three, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I am pre-recording a lesson using Zoom. I am pulling up like notes or uh, PowerPoints that I would have used in a class and just hopefully keeping it to about a 15 minute um, lesson, quote unquote. And then I am attaching PDFs for the kids to, um, they're doing all sorts of crazy stuff that I don't even understand. Some of them are printing it, writing it, taking pictures, sending it back to me. Some of them are um, just doing it all on their phone. Some of them have styluses and are writing right on their computer screen. And um, Mm. I mean, it's, it's really amazing the way that they've found to handle that. So that's happening Monday, Wednesday, Friday. They are submitting those things to me through Google Classroom, um, which has been a, a good experience for me as well. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm using those as my get more math days. And so it's a combination of mixed review for the most part. But then as I'm teaching new skills, um, there will, I mean, obviously they can access Get More Math every day, right? So um, 
So that's been fantastic. They're typically doing the mixed review only on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then watching some of your webinars have been so helpful to realize that I could assign new material that I covered, but immediately push it to the mixed review Mm -hmm. so that they're able to not just do those and get stuck on those um, if they didn't understand it. And then ultimately, we're only able to have one sort of face-to-face interaction per week based on other teachers in other curricula or other um, courses having to try and meet with their kids too. So every Wednesday, I have a Zoom session that's live with each one of my classes. And so that's been interesting. Like we've done everything from play hangman at the beginning when the kids were not sure what was going on just to sort of keep them engaged and and get a chance to see each other to now we're at the point where we're doing things like graphing together we're doing get more math together like I can pull up my screen and show them some of the problems so once a week meeting with them three times a week having them do a lesson and then twice a week minimum doing get more math that's that's sounds pretty good. I, it's 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 a nice balance of trying to make sure you're retaining what you've attained so far, and then also in a measured way pushing forward. Would you say that overall, you've your your expectations for the couple of months where we're going through this, you've taken what fifty percent of that content or twenty percent of that content, and and started making lessons out of it? Or are you going to be able to cover all of your curriculum? No way. Absolutely no way. I mean, we lost an entire marking period of content. I think I had five units left to cover. I will be thrilled if I get through three. Um, I'm, I'm more likely going to get through two. Uh, When we first went to not being in the school building, I don't even know what to call it at the beginning. It was literally just two weeks off. We had no plan in place And at that point, kids were not tied in, teachers were not tied in. I mean, we really didn't know what we were doing. And then after that, it was start to figure out what we're doing. So realistically, we lost at least three weeks, maybe four of any type of practiced instruction. And then when we did decide to go back as a district, our first implementation was only review. You can't teach anything new because we might get sued by kids who can't access it. And so we weren't allowed to teach, like literally not allowed to teach anything new. Um, Only review. So get more math was my savior. Uh, During that time, I was able to spend most of my time at home learning new technology like Google Classroom and how to do Zoom and still know that my kids were getting review because they were able to access get more math um and just the the fact that i could interact and catch them online every once in a while and send them a message was it was just awesome it was bright spots in the day that's great so did you sort of monitor who was logged in and maybe shoot them a note occasionally is that what you're saying i did and i'm still doing that um it's been really fun to catch them when they're like online and be able to send a message to them or even, even if it's not even about the math problem, just to let them know that I'm, I'm on with them is a fun thing. That's great. One one of the things that's super interesting to me is that 
the asynchronous nature of a lot of what people are trying to do. You know, I'm totally accustomed from years and years of teaching to have everything march in time, like we're all in the same place at the same time doing the same thing. And now you could have kids, you know, watching your video lesson late at night and doing some practice in the morning and then doing some more practice in the afternoon and then doing a little more in the evening. It's, it's, it's very strange to me to have my kids or have the students out of sync with the teachers. That, that seems to be one of the biggest differences. Even I know they're remote and that's a huge difference, but just to have them working at all different times. I'm curious to know, like in, in a typical classroom scenario, when they get stuck, when they have a question, they raise their hands, right? Or, or ask the kid next to them or something like that. How are you fostering discussion in a both remote but also asynchronous scenario? It's really, to be honest with you, been a huge issue for me. Um, that's one of the things that I thrive on, right? That's as teachers, you are counting on your students to interact with you and let you know what's making sense. And when you are Number one, recording a lesson, you have no idea <laughs> if what you're saying is making sense to them. And then for them, first of all, with it being elective for them to participate, I'm not even sure how much effort they're putting in. It's not like this magic wand just got waved over all of my students and the ones who weren't paying attention in class are now mesmerized by my recording and taking notes and getting it all right. It didn't just happen that way. It's still the same kids. Uh, they're just in a different environment. And so um, for the ones that are actively participating and really seeking to get the most out of this or the ones whose parents are making them do it or the ones who are bored off their rockers and have literally exhausted every other option and they decide, oh, I guess I'll do some math. Um, the way they're interacting with me is mostly through Gmail and, and through phones. Phones have been wonderful. I, I can't believe how many kids are like taking a picture of a problem that they're working on and uh, texting it to my Gmail. Um, I just, as a matter of fact, 10 minutes before we got on this morning, I had a girl take a picture of, um, it was a proportional equation to solve in the Get More Math pro uh, program. And she sent a picture of it to me and she's like, I know I'm getting this right, but no solution, <laughs> not there. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you're, 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 uh, you're bringing it all back for me. And, you know, I, I, a day wouldn't go by in my classroom where at least one kid told me, I know I'm right, get more math is wrong. <laughs> well, I was able to write it out on a piece of paper and screenshot it with my phone, send it to myself in my email, and then I responded to her with some suggestions on like, are you trying this, right? Like, is this what you did? And then... And if you're not, you can check your Gmail. <laughs> so I haven't, I'm on with you, right? So I haven't responded to see what her, or checked in to see what her response is, but I, I hope it gets the desired result. <laughs> so this conversation reminds me of this, this funny software idea I've had for a math software. I found myself as a, as a math teacher almost all day, I'd say over 60% of my interactions with kids regarding math problems were simply me asking the same question. Hmm. So what did you do next? What did you do after that? Mm -hmm. What was your next step? Mm. Like, or, or I might, you know, it might, it begins with, well, how did you set this up? 
How did you think this through? What was yeah. your first step? And so I, I almost never tell them what to do or what they did wrong. And I can see it. I can see it coming on the third step. They forgot their negative, but I, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm just going to ask them questions. So I thought of writing this app where like every time you hit a button, the teacher says, well, what did you do next? <laughs> so maybe that would be the solution for you, you know, because that's most of the discussion that I always had anyway. It's, it's funny, but, but I like what your approach was. It sounded like you had like a two-phased approach. Like you do have the complete help, but prior to looking at that, have you thought about it, right? That's the yeah. point you're always trying to, trying to support with regular practices. It's been very interesting having kids turn in their work and having the ability to comment on their work. I, I have a total of 109 students under my care this year, and I do not have 109 students participating in this online education environment. Um, so it has given me the opportunity to um, interact with more of them individually. So I'm getting their homework assignments and able to comment on their work much more detailed than I ever have before. And you're right, I'm finding myself seeing the same exact um, common mistakes over and over and over again. And so there's all there's this little feature in Google Classroom where you can create a comment bank. And so I have quite a few saved phrases for some of the assignments because, oh, that's great. Um, yeah, it's really been very, very helpful. Yeah. Do they have math symbols in their comments? Uh, not that I have found. So if anyone <laughs> knows how to access that. Um, so I'm, I'm responding to their work in two different ways. Um, the, the unit that we were working on before we left in algebra was um, radicals. And so a square root symbol is not something oh, that dear. you find, right? Yep. <laughs> and so I was, yep. I, yeah, I'm using language like, oh, your answer here should be two root seven and writing out the word <laughs> root. Um, sure. But as we're simplifying radicals that have variables in them and exponents, it was becoming quite cumbersome. And I'm sure um, that they were not reading all of the text. Whereas if I was able to write it on their page, I think it would have been much more succinct and they would have maybe um, taken a look at it. So for some of those um, assignments, I've actually been downloading their work as a PDF, writing okay. on it, and then saving it, and then gmailing it back to them so they can see the written work and the text. When you say um, writing on it, do you mean you print it out as well? Or do you mean you sort of write on it on your screen? I do write on it on my screen. Um, I have access to a printer at home, which has been a lifesaver for me to be able to scan in documents that um, Google Classroom won't recognize. So that's been fabulous. But um, the PDF homework assignments that they're giving me, I am able to download as a PDF and then draw on it with like okay. a, yeah. Yeah. So my handwriting is worse than theirs, if that's oh, possible. Um, but I'm getting you better. Like a mouth to do the drawing? I do. So I saw your oh, webinar yeah. on that um, <laughs> external software stuff. Oh, right, right. I did, but um, yeah, just not in my budget at this point. <laughs> well, and I have to wonder, like right now, if all of that stuff is totally sold out too, you know, like Probably. I've been trying to order various things from Amazon and they're like, sorry, sorry. you know, right. three months now. Right. I'm getting better with the mouse. It's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's good to hear. It would drive me, I think, 
up a tree. Let's let's dial back to your um, participation. This is an area of interest for I'm sure all of us. You said you have 109 students. Some are electing to participate. Some aren't. It's this fascinating place where they don't have to. And your your district is clear about that. This is a time of enrichment. You want to support kids. You want to push ahead. But it's optional. So how many kids do you have participating? It also varies percentage-wise by um, the class itself. So let's start with the seniors because they're in the strangest of situations. Um, They are. They really are. And my heart goes out to them. So I'm going to really try not to get emotional as I speak Mm. of this. So for them, (laughs) they're communicating with me. They've been wonderful about that. But I only have four of 40-ish, I think it's maybe 37 students that are um, actually submitting any work. Um, So you need to understand that this consumer review course is basically a course offered for students who are um, taking it as a second math for students that are going on to college or it is a math credit for students who are planning to go to a trade school. So it's not an academic college prep course per se. So that to me explains a little bit about why my numbers are so low there, right? They are either focusing on another math course that they're enrolled in, or um, as soon as they heard optional, they were like, best senior year ever. (laughs) And they stopped. (laughs) Gotcha. So they've got, they already know that you've, you just, you said you, you finished up the grades. They do. They do. And I've been very transparent with them yeah. regarding that. Um, however, I've got a couple sort of sale fa- fail safes um, or I guess strategies that I've been trying to use with them to encourage them. Um, number one is I've been reaching out to six students a day. That's been my goal um, using telephone, right? In addition to everything else that's going on, I'm trying to reach one student from each of my classes every day. And that started um, about a week ago. So the nice part there has been I get a chance to clear up any rumors that might be flying around. I get a chance to see how they are doing, see why they're not participating if they're not. Um, And in some cases, it's literally been a matter of they were off the grid. I don't know what they've been doing, but had no idea what the plan was or like how to even access um, the the materials. So that's a legitimate actual situation that's been happening. But in the other situation, it's been more of, I don't really see a point in this. Like, would you be putting lessons out there if you weren't getting paid for it? And I've, I've got to wonder if I would. Um, and so in that light, um, I've really been trying to just tap into their desire to become better humans as opposed to just doing schoolwork because someone told them to. And tapping into their desire to become independent learners and productive members of society 
man, that's a tough push for 17, 18 year old kids. But I've really had some of them respond in very good ways, you know, just reminding them that if they are going on to any type of schooling next year, it might be like this. We don't know what school is going to look like in the future. And being familiar with discipline and independent responsibility levels, um, it's just been a real push for me, not just for the seniors, for the underclassmen as well, but in particular for those seniors. And so the last leg of that little push to get them to do stuff is I've started to bribe them. <laughs> <laughs> when all else fails. So what, what the, what's the going rate for a, so learning a, a math? I have reached out to some of our local businesses and asked them oh, nice. for uh, some donations. So I've got right now I've got a stack of for my seniors in particular, uh, I typically do an end of the year. I don't know if anyone's familiar with Mr. Sticky's, but Mr. Sticky is like a sticky bun connoisseur in our area. And um, I've reached out to them and asked them, well, when we had real school, we would have like a sticky bun party on the last day of school, right? And um, so now they're getting Mr. Sticky coupons. <laughs> um, and okay. for my other students, for my underclassmen, I am doing... I'll just say there's been some wonderful local businesses that have given me gift cards, um, you know, less than five bucks. But um, just today I mailed out my first group. I, I mailed out 10 um, different things, some for free sandwiches, some for donuts, some for coffee, some for just gift cards or whatever. And I let the rest of the class know through Google Classroom that, hey, look at this kid, highest number of get more math questions answered, or like most assignments completed or whatever. Um, so we'll see if that mm. has any effect on, I mean, I think it'll be good for their spirits no matter what. Um, but if it has an added bonus of more participation, that'd be great too. So you said one thing, you said a lot of uh, awesome things just now. I, I love what you're doing. I love your strategies. One thing that intrigued me right near the beginning uh, regarding phone calls, you said one thing you do is clear up rumors. Th that is interesting. Are, are you finding kids have fake information or that something's been circulating that's sort of utterly incorrect that you're having to kind of go around and stomp out? I am. Absolutely. I mean, it, we've got this environment now where every communication that we're having as a district, but also individually is happening technologically as opposed to face-to-face. -to -face. And so there's all sorts of things that can be misinterpreted. And as a math teacher in particular, I'm finding that it is a shame how many people don't read. So like <laughs> you, you see a post on the website coming from our district administrators saying one thing and rather than reading it all, in detail, you skim it and you think you know what it says, and then you summarize it and send it in a text to someone else, and then they summarize it and share it with someone else. And so very quickly, you can see how that um, gets out of hand. And I have had lots of people not knowing what's going on. So just, and then also you have this other dynamic of parents working and not having the opportunity or not taking the time because they've got high school students who sometimes we treat um, as 
somewhat adults and they believe their kids when they tell them school is closed and it is over and I don't have to do anything at all. And the parents are not checking that for themselves and then being very surprised. So unfortunately, some of those phone calls home have been not great. (laughs) Have you, when you say not great, do you mean talking to the students, those conversations, or you talk to the parents and the parents are like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. So sometimes the parents, I mean, those are the phone numbers I have, right? And so I'm typically originally getting a parent and some of those conversations have, I think, unfortunately, um, then caused bad conversations with their students saying, I thought you said this, and now I'm finding this. Right. Um, so not loving that and, and trying my best to make sure that it's coming across as this isn't a guilt call. You know, I'm just right. showing you what's available um, and, and stressing on that. And they have been very few and far between, but there have been quite a few parents who really thought, oh, I thought they were, they're on their computer. So I assumed that they were doing all their things. Something else you said that's just intriguing to me. I'm thinking back, I taught for about 20 years and I say I talked to one of my students on the phone, maybe twice briefly. So, you know, when I made calls, I was calling parents because, of course, right. if I want to talk to my students, I just talk to them in person. So right. I'm just a little curious. What's it like to talk to a 14-year-old on the phone about <laughs> life? So life. it's actually been pretty interesting. There have been a couple of times where the parent um, has said, would you like to talk to so-and-so? And I just laugh. I'm like, well, um, only if they would like to talk to me. And so... <laughs> You know, I'm certainly not going, I'm sure that, you know, Joey was not waiting by the phone to talk to his algebra teacher, but there have been a couple times where kids have been like, oh my gosh, let me talk. And it's, it's been, you know, you have different relationship with some of your students and um, I, I miss mm. seeing some of my students. I, I really, really, truly do. And to be able to talk with them and just hear their voices and, and, I think for them to actually interact with me, I don't know. It, it's been, it's been very nice. It's been very nice. That's great. I, I, yeah. I thrive on the in-person aspect of teaching. Like I loved spending yeah. time with 140 kids every day for me, <laughs> that was vital to my success. And so like when I was out of school and working so many long hours to try to prepare for the next day, and the next week, what would motivate me was the fact that the next day I would be with those kids again. And yeah. I wanted, I wanted them to do well. I wanted the room to go well. I wanted the day to go well. And, uh, so that in-person part was, was key to my personal motivation. I'm wondering how it's going for you. You're, you know, you're stuck at home. You're getting those phone calls in, which is in a way that's some feed, some, some relational feed, but how's it going making all these videos and grading all these PDFs? Is it lonely? It's actually been up and down, probably one of the most difficult seasons of my life. I think I, I definitely hear you when you say that spending hours at home doing the lesson plans and tweaking them and, and making them with the goal in mind of being able to share that with the students and 
going back and retweaking it right after you taught it so that the oh, next yeah. time it would be better, right? Like that's that's who I am, not because I love technology and lesson planning, but because I loved seeing their eyes light up and and helping them understand more deeply and and those kinds of things. And I'm with you 100% on that's what I love about teaching. And when this first began and I was spending all of my hours just trying to figure out how to put the material out there for the students navigating through Google Classroom. It was very lonely. I was communicating with other teachers during that time, which was hugely helpful. Doing um, group texts, doing group Zooms, um, and then just even individually calling each other. And that has helped so much. Um, I've also tried to put myself on my my school schedule, and that has helped a little bit. So my typical classroom day would have been I teach first period, and then I had a second period prep, and then I teach third period, and then I had lunch ugh, at 1030. Nice. Um, and then, <laughs> then I would did, teach. Did you have like 11 minutes there? That's how I remember it. <laughs> No, I actually had a full period, but it was from 1030 until like 1124 or something ridiculous at 1038. Um, And then I would teach for the remainder of the day. And so after about the first month of just driving myself crazy, trying to figure out how this looked for me, my health decided that I needed to spend that second period prep period as like physically prep. So that has become, because I have so many Zoom meetings and that sort of thing, um, I'm pretty much prepping all the time. Yeah. And so my prep period has been like, hey, this is when I'm going to go get my shower for the day. Like I am prepping me. Um, and so I'm up at eight o'clock and I'm doing all of the emails and the follow-up that it needs to be done from the, the day before. And then I'm doing me prep time for 40 minutes. I like it. Then I'm coming back and then I'm taking my lunch. But recently that's been happening after I spend an hour going to these local businesses and um, getting some of their donations and um, those kinds of things. So I'm getting out of the house for Hmm. about 45 minutes. And on days that I don't then have afternoon Zoom sessions, I can just eat while I'm, you know, emailing and tweaking things. And so that those two um, breaks in my day have been wonderful for me to to just have a little bit of sanity and then forcing myself at 3.30 to be done, like literally turning off my computer so that I don't see it and I'm not tempted to go back to it and, yeah. and, and do other things. And I take my dogs for a walk every day at 3.30 and every once in a while I'll have a, a chat with one of my colleagues during that time and Implementing those three th- sort of things in my day has has been huge. Sounds like you're you're learning to adjust. Well, Tara, it's been really fun talking through uh, what things have been like for you. Thank you so much for taking the time to explore it with us. It's helpful to the community. We're trying to foster a sense of here's what teachers are doing. Here's what it's like, so that sort of as a larger group we can have a shared understanding of of this particular strange place and time we find ourselves. So thank you. You're welcome. I actually uh, have been thriving on hearing what other teachers are doing, but I think it's also extremely helpful for me to hear 
other teachers and their challenges mm-hmm. as well as their their wins. You know, their wins and their losses are helpful in different ways. So I appreciate what you're doing. Well, thank you, Tara, for that uh, compelling interview. Thank you so much for what you're doing for your students and the families. And Josh, thanks for that time and bringing the podcast to us. How would you summarize some takeaways, some action points for us? I feel like Tara is sharing with us like a new journey for her where she's making discoveries rapidly. It, It reminds me of learning to teach 25 years ago where week by week, day by day, I was finding out what it's like to interact with kids, how to have high expectations, how to design a lesson. And it's, it's interesting, Tara is an experienced teacher. She's a veteran teacher. But in the last month and a half, you can hear in our conversation all these new strategies she's implementing in order to reach her kids as best as possible in a suboptimal scenario. Uh, I love some of the things she's discovering, like um, her use of bribery, as she said. I thought that was uh, sort of funny, but also it shows how she's really doing whatever it takes to to get kids involved and to keep them connected in kind of a, a friendly, humorous way, I guess. She mentioned a lot of other things. Like I, I liked the importance of taking care of herself and how her prep time has actually transitioned into now her preparation for self. And she's not just allowing herself to work nonstop, which of course, over time, is going to be counterproductive and, and break her down. But she's making sure she She's disciplined in taking care of herself with her schedule. Um, Loved her mix of little bits of lessons, times for interaction, PDFs and PDF um, sort of back and forth between her students. So it's, it's wonderful to see all of the things she's explored and already implemented. And I'm sure that as we keep going forward, she's going to keep finding new ways. Well, Josh, I think that's one of my takeaways too, is every time that we have a podcast and I hear from another teacher about how they are engaging their students, I'm frankly inspired by it. And so I'm very grateful to our teachers who are going to all this effort to bring education in a very difficult environment. So thank you, Josh, for this interview today. Thank you for listening to the Get More Math podcast. We would like to invite all our listeners to visit our website at getmoremath.com, where you'll find helpful information about how Get More Math can help you transform the math education experience through targeted mastery and cyclical review. We would welcome you to take advantage of our free trial, which is good not only for the remainder of this school year, but also for the 2021 school year. If you think this podcast would be helpful to others, please share it, post it on social media, or leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, please send an email to podcast at getmoremath.com. See you next time on the Get More Math Podcast.